Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, a podcast presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and Metatopia 2018. Episode 222, Marketing is More Than Just Social Marketing. Presented by Melissa Lewis Gentry, Beth Rimmels, and Christopher Tang. See, is that's 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 my entire week. That's actually <laughs> so real. this entire con. The theme of this con is I was gonna make a PowerPoint and then I didn't. Then I didn't. I never make PowerPoints because I yeah. hate making PowerPoints. So uh, fall off the stage. I love them. And so we just I need love the idea of them, but I am not graphically press. oriented. Yeah. As a graphically oriented thinker, I would much rather put up a picture in six words than write an entire page. See, that's the irony, is that I think in images, but I'm not good at making images. <laughs> so it's kind of weird, um, and it gets kind of bizarre. Do I want Hyatt Wi-Fi or Hyatt Meeting? Uh, I don't have a PowerPoint. I'm just looking at notes. I was going to make a PowerPoint, and then I did. <laughs> <laughs> saying that. You're going to hear that again. Uh, You're going to hear that again. Yep. I figured it was either fall of 2018 or come in. I hit the connect button. It can take a while. And we need enough room for Chris to come up. Oh, hi. I was going to say I can scooch over a bit more. Yeah, this is a very narrow stage. We're just going to have to snuggle. Please come on up. Yep. Yeah. Take Yeah. I did. I did the same. Percent feel that. Yeah. I did the same. Oh, another cane buddy. Okay. Because I, I, I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Boom. All right. Just in case I get Chris. an idea. Hi, Chris. I'm Chris. Hi, Chris. <laughs> Hi, I'm Beth. <laughs> this will make it very clear to all of our fans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Let me get my notes. It's uh, only four after. So great. Uh, I always like to leave a little time for stragglers because I know sometimes people like to let end their playtest at like, it's 10.59 and 30 seconds. I have, let's start your feedback now. Um, so we want to give, give plenty of time. Um, and this is D006. Marketing is more than just social media. It's not. Oh. I, I, no, I'm sorry. That's the name of this panel. Oh. I see. Um, did we the wrong panel? Okay. Um, all right. Oh, and this is being recorded. So, um, panelists, I am going to attempt to refrain from swearing. Uh, I will join you in that attempt. Anyone else committing to that? I'll try. I, I <laughs> no did, promises. I, did stress, I, I stressed right. a tag. I don't. 
I don't swear. <gasps> like Chris, you are. A I am from New York. I, I no, I have a ten-year-old, so oh. I have to stay in the habit. Yeah. 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 No, see, see, I'm from New York. It's part of the rules. I have an eleven-year-old, so. and I put a lot of money in that swear jar, and they are very disapproving. Uh, all right. Uh, so let's begin. Um, so that means for the recording, let's begin. Uh, uh, today you're here for marketing is more than just social media. I am your host today. My name is Melissa Lewis Gentry. Um, I am a business consultant that often focuses in, in marketing. And today on our panel, we have Beth Rimmels, uh, uh, Chris O'Neill, and Christopher Tank. Uh, and I'm gonna let them intru introduce themselves in order. So my name is Beth Rimmels. I originally come from a publishing background, segued from that into marketing. I work for a digital marketing company as my day job, and I'm also a game designer of Awesome Eights. Join the playtests. <laughs> <laughs> Free plug. Welcome to marketing. Uh, my name is Chris O'Neill, and I am the creative officer of Knife Level Games, and uh, we've been around for uh, 20 years at this point, which is the primary reason that I'm here to talk about marketing. In the real world, I do uh, business consulting. Um, so, and you know, do some other posts. Melissa and I have a talk uh, tonight at eight or nine. That's called nine. "The Price Is Wrong," which is about the fact that people don't know how to price their games. Attend it <laughs> so seriously. So, we're not going to talk much about pricing in this particular event, right. even though pricing is a huge part of marketing. But just because there's like a special <laughs> later. Um, we have 45 hours to do in 45 minutes yeah. on that today. Yeah. And then? Hi, I'm Christopher Tang. I work for a drive through RPG, so I uh, never get to live in the real world. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome and, to Not the Internet. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I work, in, uh, I work in the Department of Publisher Services, uh, which means that it is my job to work directly with publishers to help them understand the site, how understand how to use our tools, uh, both in a basic way, but also in an effective way to communicate, to sell, market both on our site. I also talk with people on our site about how to market off of the site to make more m sales on the site. Uh, for those who don't know, DriveThruRPG is the world's largest download RPG download store. Uh, also, if you're an indie game developer, uh, you're my client. <laughs> I am, I'm the indie game guy at DriveThru. Literally, literally over 4,000 indie game developers talk to me and I love helping. I, honest, I honestly do love indie games of every stripe. So, so um, we can make an assumption that everyone that's in this room is yeah. interested in some way in selling their own game. Is well, that an accurate statement? So, so l let me ask, who in this room likes games? I hate it. Yeah. Out here in pod yeah, we got a couple po podcast land, we have a few yeah. stragglers. Who are <laughs> just so you know that, right. that some people um, have come for the fame and the fortune, not for the law. Who here in the room considers their primary title or role in interacting with games as a designer? Okay. Who here considers their primary role as a publisher? Who here understands that there's a difference between those two roles? Like, oh, good, good, we got some, <laughs> get some hands, all right. Um, uh, uh, so what, what I kind of want to talk about, uh, or start this, is that uh, I've often talked to small companies um, when asking about what they're doing for marketing, they go, they've said, respond to me, oh, I hired someone to run our social media. Um, and we're done. And <laughs> marketing and, is just social media. And marketing, no, marketing is not social media. So <laughs> I was going to say, can yeah. I give another example of, yes, of, of fail for this? Yeah. So a friend of ours started a con that is no longer around uh, because he absolutely refused to do marketing. And when me and my roommate, who does search engine optimization marketing, we have a panel actually today at um, um, uh, uh, 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, teaching you how to do this. Um, when we said to him, we will give you our services to help promote your convention. He said, I don't need your marketing advice because if you Google name of con, I will not embarrass it by saying this, dot com, I come up first. Yeah. Yeah, you do. If you're Googling the exact URL and do not come up first, it is a huge fail. Yeah. But these are the kind of stupid things people think. Okay. So um, there was a few things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask questions to our fantastic panel here. 
Um, but also, um, I want to take a, long, uh, uh, a significant amount of time for your feedback as well as your questions for your individual company's needs. Um, um, but um, the first thing I kind of want to talk about is um, the difference between um, advertising and product market strat like product marketing. Um, does anyone want to explain, or does, who, who here in the audience knows what I mean when I say the word product marketing? No one, hey, we're, we're helping. All right, who, who <laughs> wants to, to start off with a basic explanation of what product marketing is? I think probably these two would be better than I would. You, you want to talk about it? Yeah. I think you should do that. Oh, yeah. okay, great. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so product marketing is a huge part of what I do as a producer and a publisher, right? So let me give you an actual, like a real good example. So. Um, we put out a game last year called Barricades, and the designer made a game called uh, Escape the Cul-de-Sac, and it was a zombie game, and it was a little semi-cooperative zombie game, and we said, we are uninterested in a zombie game, because the market is uninterested in your zombie game, because unless you have some serious hook, we've, we've just seen it, and we said... But what if we made it about bears? And the designer went, uh, that doesn't even make any sense. He's like, <laughs> zombies. Uh, and we were like, but what if it's about lumberjacks? And then, so then we built some art and we did some tests and we figured out what the, you know, the, 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 the game was going to look like, what, our, what the talking points were going to be. And that was marketing a product before you start talking about anything else, right? Do we have something to talk about? The moment you say, my game is better than right that's not product marketing right when you say my game is or the this piece does or it fills this hole in the real in, in the world of services which we're more familiar with these days mm -hmm. um one of the things that people forget about um games is that at the end of the day most games are a product right the interaction that your market has is i'm going to go and i'm going to see it on a shelf and in a vacuum make a decision if i'm going to buy it so everything on that game has to say what the game is, you know, how much time is it going to take, right? Like, like one of the big uh, decisions these days is telling people ahead of time. Like before I've even told you what the theme is, I tell you how many people it plays and, you know, oh, I like game for three or four players about, right? <laughs> because if someone's like, I only play solo games, they, they, they've already turned off, right? Uh, and that's totally different than advertising, which I suck at, so... Who wants to talk about what the advertising is? Yeah. Um, well, actually, I want to talk a little bit more. Um, so a large number of designers make games that they're passionate about. They, they, they had an idea for a game. They made passionate about the game. Um, but now you're kind of, we're starting to reveal behind the curtain that perhaps that's not the best way to sell your game. So um, how would you advise a company to approach design from a market demand perspective? What are some basic steps they can take? Feel that's a bath. Oh God, where to start with that? Because uh, it's it's so oh, trying to think of in, in broad terms. Because I deal a lot with that on a case by case basis. Um, yeah, use a specific example. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I, oh, oh, I, you, I, if you I'm, I'm going to say got something. Yeah. Something that I tell people to do mm -hmm. all the time, and and maybe I think I might see the the light up, but but often they're like, I never thought of that. Being aware of the market as it exists, there are many people who yeah. they 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 know what's on their game shelf. They know what they and their friends play, and they know what they feel is missing in their life in terms of a game. In in slightly more advanced, they might even know what's on the shelf of their favorite local game store that they go to regularly, and have asked their the person who works there, "Is there a game like this?" And then they don't know, and they're like, "Well, then I must make this game." <laughs> and um, they don't bother to do a little bit of research, a little bit of Googling, uh, things that are f free to do, like looking through drive-through RPG, maybe, <laughs> and seeing is there a game with that title already, or what kind of zombie games are there? What kind of superhero games are there already? Uh, looking if you know if you're coming from maybe the board game side, looking through Board Game Geek, and seeing what's in the genre or within the style that you're talking about. There there are free online resources to see what's out there, or maybe even, you know, if you don't want to sort through all the chaff, if you will, maybe just look at what's won awards 
for mm-hmm. the last decade. That's a much shorter list. <laughs> yeah. um, um, but we'll yeah. tell you, if you look at what has won various different awards for the last decade, that's going to give you a much better picture of what the, the market looks like in terms of what people are actually paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say this, and then people are like, I never thought to do it. It's like, well, it's free on the internet to do this, and it will give you a better idea. And, and uh, to quote something that happened at last year's Metatopia, I was talking with a industry contact who was, you know, we, we were talking for business purposes. He found I was going to Metatopia. He was like, let me give you some pointers. And he told me an anecdote that he was at a table with some people, and they started play testing this game. And he's like, and they didn't know it, but they had just basically invented GURPS. <laughs> like, but they didn't know what GURPS was, so they thought that they were being original and new and unique, when really this is a 30, 40 year old game that they've basically rewritten, and they think they're adding something new to the world, because they didn't do the research about what exists. Right. We host, um, one of the things that uh, I'm involved with is a thing called uh, Game Makers Guild, and we do bi-weekly get-together with, you know, basically t- tiny play tests like this. And the number of times that someone has sat down and we play a game and it's like, oh, this game is like X, this game is like Y, this game feels like Z, and the, the, the people are like, oh, I've never played any of those. And it's like, well, we, we have to stop, right? Go, go play those games, go, go find out about those games, and then we can talk more about it. Which tying into both of these things, and, and back to Melissa's original question, as a guy, and I had an answer for this, I thought of an example. Um, this isn't so much from marketing a new game, from marketing a Kickstarter. There was a company that shall remain nameless um, that has a game. It's been out, an RPG that's been out on the market for a while, and it has pockets of interest. But if I said the name of the game, most of you have probably never heard of it. So it, it has it has its own little niche that it, it sells, but it clearly has not gone through wide with marketing. So they decided to do a Kickstarter for a second edition. Not a bad idea. This could be a way to get out to a larger audience and everything else. Talking about not doing research and not doing the market, is their first Kickstarter for a second edition of a game that, like I said, most people haven't heard of. They were Kickstarting this for $90,000 <laughs> was their goal. As a 60-day Kickstarter. Those were mistakes. Did they start it on Saturday morning? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. It, it was like everything that you could do wrong with this, Saturday they did. Saturday morning on a holiday weekend. Yeah, they, they, abs- they absolutely, you know, did wrong. Because everyone was going to be home then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> brings me to my next question, which I'm going to want each one of you to answer. Okay. Which is, Kickstarter is clearly a huge part of the game industry now. But we still see a huge amount of failure. The success rate for funding, we're not gonna talk about success rate for completion, like I can't, right. I can't even. <laughs> um, but the success rate for the games category is 36.28%. That is means the majority of Kickstarters that launch do not complete. Now is that, is that digital and, and, and Unfortunately, tabletop? Unfortunately that is yeah. digital and tabletop. Digital has a much higher failure rate. Yes. Um, One, because the money that they ask for is higher, Two, because there's just a lot more crazy people in that space. <laughs> I mean, that sounds weird, but uh, it, it's it's pretty uncommon for someone in the tabletop space to just be one crazy person who's like, I'm going to make this video game all by myself. <laughs> that happens a lot. Of yeah, I mean, that happens a lot with uh, tabletop games, analog games, but then we give them our money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do this all by myself, sure. Like, that's a great idea. No. Um, so, uh, for each person, what uh, for each panelist, what is a marketing tool or strategy, just one thing, that you would recommend a company uh, to use prior to, like, launching a Kickstarter? What's a basic tool that they should do? Um, uh, from a marketing perspective. From a marketing perspective. Okay, so you may hate me for this one. Yeah. Um, because even though we're saying it's not about social media, I would definitely leverage Facebook for this. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, but set up well in advance an event for this and drive traffic to that so they get the notification when it goes live. Also to, look, there's way more things to do for marketing, but when it comes to advertising, Facebook advertising, if you target properly, is highly cost effective. So despite the title of this thing, I would actually say, create a Facebook group for it or Facebook event and well in advance to start priming the pump. 
So using the advert business advertising manager, your business manager in Facebook is very different than having a Facebook page and putting up posts. Yes. yes if you're putting up different. posts and hitting, hitting the boost button, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, do not. Do, do not, not do, do not. that. Come, come to the Ask the Experts panel at 4 o'clock and I'll explain to you why. And if you can't, it'll be a podcast. But the basics is Facebook's for ROI is statistically the highest way for game funding. Yeah. It is better than Google. Uh, better than YouTube conversions. It is yep. better than Google Ads. It is better than BGG for board games. It is significantly better than BGG for board games. Um, your ROI and, and, on and every advertising platform, Facebook, unfortunately, is the best. I can talk very specifically about this for the campaign that we just finished two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, so we just finished a campaign. It was our seventh Kickstarter for a game called Meeple Party. And our advertising on Facebook which was digitally done for us by BackerKit. So BackerKit um, has a, they'll, they'll handle all of the, they actually, it's really cool, they, they actually have bots that will do all the work. So it's a machine learning algorithm that takes a bunch of different words and a bunch of different pictures and puts them onto Facebook. And then when someone clicks on it, it says, oh, people like this one. And it continues to surf that one. So it's basically it's doing A-B testing for you. Yeah. Correct. It's, it's doing A-B testing, but at, at speed, right? Wow. Automated. That's Automated. Awesome. Yeah. yeah it's, it's really good. Yeah. A-B testing is, we'll show you these two in your two pieces. Um, the, uh, we also did a BGG page takeover and we did advertising on BGG. We got like three backers from Board Game Geek. <laughs> we got like 60 from Facebook and Facebook cost nowhere near what BGG cost. Yeah, BGG right? you're looking about 800 bucks yeah, at least. It's very sell. expensive and I mean it gets it, it ramps it ramps really quickly. The big thing about Board Game Geek and so this will be my piece of advice is understand who you're selling your game to, right? From a marketing perspective, that is probably the most important thing, right? A lot of people think I'm going to sell my game to everyone, and the reality is, is that's just not true, right? No. Different games have different pieces. So, uh, this gentleman over here is wearing a Rap Gods T-shirt. He's selling his game to me, <laughs> right? I want to buy that game. I, was I say want to tell my phone to shut up. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, if you know the market that you're going to, you can find. Right. So, Meeple Party is actually kind of a strategy game. We thought we would try to pitch onto. BGG because it's where that game is, but the theme is too late, so we completely ignore it, right? Now, if we had a game called, you know, Death Skull, Death Skull Strategy Destroyer, right? We'd probably do really well on BGG, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> what about Farming Apocalypse? A, far, a Farming Apocalypse would definitely be. I have an idea for a game. Yeah, Farming Apocalypse <laughs> yeah. is really good. Yeah, yeah. The resource management and destruction game. Yeah, well, yeah. Isn't that an Idris Elba movie? Anyway. Um, so, <laughs> Uh, so I guess it's my turn. Yes. Um, and I would say the thing you need to do before your Kickstarter, although I'm going to cheat and segue into a Kickstarter tip, yeah. uh, <laughs> is uh, you need to become a special guest star. So in order to succeed at a Kickstarter, in order to fund, you have to bring your own audience. Yes. If nobody funded in 30 minutes because within that very specific 30-minute time frame, all the right people were magically online. <laughs> you fund because you bring an audience with you to that initial funding. So how do you get that initial audience? Maybe you have some already, which is great, but obviously you want it to be more. Higher, higher numbers is better. D&D taught us that. And <laughs> the, what you want to do is there are a million, I roughly estimate, <laughs> podcasts uh, YouTube, other streaming video formats. Um, the kids like them these days. The kids loves the podcasts. <laughs> um, so, but there are a number of play podcasts out there where, like, hey, we play this game, or we interview game designers, or you know, come on our YouTube and so sell us on this thing. Because one of the key things about marketing, when you're coming from where you're at, it is an indie developer. Uh, you're not Hasbro. Nobody knows what Hasbro looks like. You're an indie developer. Your fans will know what you look like. That's so real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like, who's the CEO of McDonald's? You probably can't think of it. Who created your favorite board game? More people know than you might realize. So you need to go... And that person was involved in my favorite RPG? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> They're probably here. They, they, they might be. Um, so... 
you need to go. These podcasts and these YouTube channels, they have already put a lot of work into cultivating their own audience. And from their perspective, you're adding something by being a designer, showing up a game, you're adding content to them. From your perspective, you are tapping into their audience that they have built up who might be interested in your game. Now, obviously, you need to curate a little bit. If it's a podcast that's focused on horror and, right. you, know have, and you have a science fiction you know type game, then you wouldn't want to be knocking on their door. Yeah. That being said, there are so many out there. And by going on there, you can cultivate uh, new audience members who are predisposed to what you want. And while you're there, be nice. And one of the big things that a new player who has never touched your game is looking for is you, the creator's enthusiasm about your own project. If you're like, yeah, well, you know, I, it was going to be about zombies, but I guess there's too much zombie stuff, so I reskinned it to be like Animal Farm or something. I don't know, I never played that game. Like, if you, if you are not excited about what you're doing, then it's not gonna sell. So you need to go on these places and be passionate. Show you like, man, no, this is about, you know, this is the dream, my dream game. I've been, you know, fascinated by, you know, Antarctica my whole life and, you know, scientific experiments there. And now this is a bad game about, you know, doing scientific experiments under the harshest experiment in the world. And then you can, sh that enthusiasm will translate to people. Um, I want to play that game. Is that a real game? <laughs> no, it's, this is just me spitballing. Sorry. Did you see um, that a guy, in the, in the scientist, he stabbed the other guy in the Antarctic station for giving away the end of books? Yeah, I kind of wonder if I know that. <laughs> That's um, the game I want to play. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, then that then translates. That skill will also cultivate the this sort of presentation skill. Mm -hmm towards other things, maybe you developing your own YouTube or podcasts to promote yourself. Also, in, like I said, I'm gonna cheat a little bit and give a Kickstarter tip. You need a video on your Kickstarter. <laughs> Even um, if it's a slideshow video. Per, okay, according to the numbers of people who follow Kickstarters and whatnot, only 20% of people watch videos in, about Kickstarter. And when you hear that number, you think, well, I don't need a video. I don't need a video, nobody's gonna watch it. Except you are get similar products with videos get three times more money than products without because there's a perception of quality, a yes. perception of professionalism when there is a video, even a short video. And when you're on that short video, you need to be enthusiastic about your game. You must be, you want fans, you must be your game's biggest fan. Short video always. The longer your video, if I if I click on your Facebook and if I click on a, a, a Kickstarter page and there's a seven minute video, I'm just like, nope, not uh, buying your thing. <laughs> your video should be three minutes or under, and they're only going to watch uh, at most sixty to ninety seconds. So you want the most of your bulk of your uh, call to actions to be within the first. 15 seconds, you want another one at 30 seconds, and you want the bulk between 30 and 60 seconds of content. Don't make a two-hour docudrama about the making of your game. <laughs> yeah. Or, or even just like the first, if the first 30 seconds of your video is just pretty graphics to get to the reveal of the name, like, it's like flames, yeah. flames. Did you, you know? ever? <laughs> In a world. It's like, yeah. yeah. No, you should, you should hit a call. You should have this Kickstarter because by, by second 15, at the very latest. Elevator pitch. Yeah. I would just go, I was just going to say, picking back into what you said before about the, the podcast, have an elevator pitch for anywhere that you go, whether it's your own podcast, you're here at Meta, whatever. People say what your game is, have a 10-second way to say it. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the last little Kickstarter tip I'm going to give you is that um, statistically, most games, in order to fund, need 500 backers. About then, that's the cost to efficacy ratio if they're doing normal product production where you know your uh, MSRP is about six or seven times your cost of goods um, and you need about 500 backers in order to fund a production run. Obviously your numbers may vary but that's usually about where it is. Uh, if you need 500 backers you want at least 150 by day one yeah. in order to fund. If you want 150 backers by day one, you want 2,000 people on your mailing list. Yes, it is 2018, and you want to go back to having a mailing list. Yep. 
uh, email now is one of is second I think either it's back and forth whether it's highest conversion ratios but if you have a, a 2,000 person email list you'll often have 10 percent of those people yeah. you email fund on day one launch and people will tell you that nowadays with digital stuff, email's a waste of time. It's not because, well, the thing is they're motivated. If in the deluge of information, they are signing up for your email, they're interested, they're motivated. Right. The other thing you can do with your email list is plug it into Facebook and plug it into Google Analytics. Custom audiences. For it to do a custom audience and then it finds like people to your specific, um, so what they'll do is because, um, uh, Frankly, the world is like the CIA now. Everything's connected. Google knows everything. So if you put your email into an email list, um, Google will find everyone you know, determine if they have similar ad characteristics, and then send ads to them on YouTube or the pop-up ads or, or all of those based on your email list you feed them for your advertisements. Um, we live in the panopticon, get used to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you so can this either... lovely magic missile shirt that I'm wearing that I've gotten <laughs> lots of uh, already this morning, hey, that's a great shirt, right? Is because Facebook was like, Chris, you would like to buy this shirt. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I click on it. So tomorrow they're going to be like, hey, Chris, would you like to buy this fireball shirt? I'm going to probably be like... Yeah, yeah, I'm going to buy that fireball yeah. shirt. Facebook, I've, I've trained I've, it. It sends me only nerdy dresses with pockets or yeah. queer underwear. I didn't even know there was a category for queer underwear, but I get tons of ads. So. I really feel judged by my Facebook ads. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Um, I, I want to jump categories a little bit, um, where we see a lot of designers planning on selling their game via only one sales channel. Um, so they're just going to sell on drive-through RPG, and that's it, and that's the only thing they're ever going to do. Or they're just going to do Kickstarter, and that's good. Um, I want. Are there any strengths to this? What are the weaknesses? I'm going to field it. Does anyone want to start? I, I. Well, I was going to say something that also kind of ties back to marketing. Never put all your eggs in one basket. So that's why I like having multiple channels for things, just as with any kind of marketing thing. There are people who like build their entire website around a Facebook page. They do not have their own thing. No, because if anything changes with that, then you're screwed. So have multiple channels for selling your product, have multiple places that you market through. So um, as the person who's here to shill for his company, <laughs> I, will, uh, I will provide the counter sure. argument. Yeah. Um, when you are just starting out, yes, uh, there are advantages to having a single sales platform. Uh, yeah. So, for instance, you might say, "Well, even if I just have my book on drive-through, I can also sell it on my personal website, right?" Sure, but now you have to uh, set up point of sale security on your website, which might have its own problems. Um, next question. Let's say you have a, you're selling on drive-through. You have a Facebook page. When you tell your customers where to go buy it, where do you tell them to go? Should I, you know if I, well I sell on drive-through and I sell on Amazon and I sell on this other you know platform other here. It's like okay, well where do you link them? Where do you tell them to go? Um, because if you tell them to go to three different places, they will go to zero. Um, but when you're starting out it might be easier to work on cultivating people to go to one place to buy your things, you train people to go there to look for your products, you uh, increase your mailing list that you can contact people through that venue, you learn that venue and how to interact with it in a much more deep and meaningful way than if you're trying to learn four different platforms at the same time. Um, I have a friend who, uh, she's not in the gaming industry, but she, uh, and I had a wonderful talk at one point, and I'm happy to share that wisdom in, on another thing, because it's very social media, about how she systematically basically conquered different uh, social media platforms for her personal brand. But part of how she did that was by focusing on one at a time. Yep. Uh, it's like, I'm going to spend a couple of years conquering Twitter. Okay, now I'm going to spend a couple of years cultivating my fan base and whatnot on Facebook. Um, Which so, I was going to say, let me just clarify real fast. When I'm saying have multiple channels, I'm presuming you have both electronic and physical products. Yeah. So that was what, yeah. So if you're just starting out, you're 100% right. Yeah. Mm. So it's a big difference if you're uh, talking about board games, if you're talking about RPGs. Mm -hmm. 
right? Because um, RPGs today, the physical books are uh, a luxury product, and the uh, the the PDFs are the lifeblood, right? Um, I'd like to think so. (laughs) If you ever looked at my computer files, you would be like, here is a person that never leaves their house because they obviously have more RPG PDFs than a person could could, could read. My paycheck thanks you. Yes. (laughs) Um, uh, So there is a really... And um, another side of this is about, you know, knowing... Back to my earlier piece about knowing your market, right? Every once in a while, there's a board game that is a super micro-niche. Right, but RPGs can be super micro niche and be okay. Right, there's a whole lot of really great RPGs that are written for a, an audience of 100 people. Right, like if they sold 100 copies, that designer would be super happy and should be because that game is not for everybody. Right, um, there's lots and lots of games. Uh, my personal favorite, uh, you know, rabbit hole to fall in on drive through these days is. Uh, Black Hack and every other OSR hack inside of itself, and it's just this like gigantic spiral. Yeah. But you know, they're they're not selling millions of books, but they're selling a lot of books because they're selling to the same market over and over again. It's like I would like every version of this. How can I have more of this? So, so yeah, just to clarify, like where your benchmark of success it depends on what you're selling. Mm-hmm. So, like as he said, if you're just selling a PDF. To a role-playing audience, the bar for what is considered a success is significantly lower, in part because of the, the restraints. Because if you want a board game with lots of little pieces and whatnot, you have to get enough money together to just physically put that thing together, and probably to get it to stores. And so that's yeah. a different benchmark of success, which is yet again another. There's a different benchmark of success from that I actually I haven't mentioned it yet, but I actually sort of moonlight in the fiction publishing world, and the benchmark of success of a, of a new novel, of a first novelist, is is different from an RPG and is different from a... I would uh, it's got to be way game. higher. Um, okay, well, uh, just a general, like, 1,000 copies is considered a success mm-hmm. for a novel, oh, and yeah. 10,000 is considered a wild success. Okay. So it's not um, that, it's not so that it's far actually off. Con- <laughs> it's so I'm going to, like, yeah. jump in, because we talked about physical products. Um, so I was a retailer for years, and for a very long time, Every designer I talked to, I'm like, why wouldn't you want to go to retail? Um, and not only has my um, my view broadened, but also the retail market has changed drastically in the last 18 months. Yeah. Uh, it is not the same place it was a year and a half ago. And a year from now, I anticipate it's going to be a radically different place. So if you anticipate that your game is going to make it into a retail store. Don't bet on it. Um, who who can guess how many games were, how many uh, uh, game products, new game products, were published in 2018? Oh, Jesus. The numbers were real high. Any, anyone? Anyone? Six I'm in the industry. I don't okay. even want to guess. Okay. So, so let me give you a scope. Okay. In like... 2010, uh, I think something like three to 500 new board games were published in that year, and about 100 RPGs. Uh, and then there's accessories and that sort of thing. So let's make it maybe about 1,000 products were put out in like 2010. Uh, 100 RPGs where it was printed in a way to get into a retail store. Uh, uh, yes, uh, yeah. not, just to, not just PDFs. Not just PDFs. This is I'm talking about like physical books you can put your hands on. These are something you know, that could be you could buy be adventure. <coughs> that's in 2010. This is like what during fourth edition. So there was like mm-hmm. a new hardcover every month. Two. Um, <laughs> um, so, um, and out of that thousand products, your store would bring in about a thousand products. Uh, a huge store will bring in about two thousand new items per year. A small store will bring in anywhere between 500 to 1,000 products a year. Um, and this is for hobby retail. Last year, for board games. Just board games. Board games. 8,000 titles. Do you know how many products a retail store brings in per year? Doesn't change. Doesn't change. In fact, real estate is getting more expensive, so stores are getting smaller. Mm-hmm. 
So we're bringing in less product. Especially since they're competing with online sales. Yep. Uh, I did a survey before I came here, and I got about 25 major retailers. So, so there's about 600 uh, in gamma retailers. Uh, so you can kind of get an idea of how many there are in the country. Um, so it's a small sample size. Um, basically, I put it out on Wednesday. I'm like, hey, can everyone can respond? And they're like, LLL doing inventory. I'll, I'll respond to you next week. I'm like, shoot. All right. So, but I got some people. Um, and uh, in talking, like, most game store sales run about half a million dollars a year, about that. And about 10 to 25% of that is going to be board games. Um, so this idea that your game, once you get big enough, is going to hit retail is no longer a reality. You will make more money hitting retail and hitting mass market, but you need to be better than 7,000 other games. And you've probably already seeded it way before this through other channels. So, yeah. So, so one thing I've heard mm -hmm. said, and I, I tend to agree with this, yeah. is we are currently living in a golden age of gaming. Yeah. There is, there are some amazing games out there, amazing board games being produced at a higher level of quality, both in design and production. Amazing role-playing games building upon you know, what came before in new and innovative things. And because of the nature of, of cost of manufacturing, of print on demand, of various different services, the cost to get these things to be realized and not just a set of index cards in your basement is lower than it's ever before. The internet makes it more accessible. Yep. However, there remains 24 hours in the day. There remains a 40 or 60 hour work week for many people and families and obligations and they probably have to sleep sometime sleep for the week. so there are more things more products and never mind the fact that thanks to netflix like you can watch every tv show that was ever made at any moment on in time um on two different screens yeah <laughs> on two, yeah like my son does uh so you are competing for people's time and attention not only with every other kind of media out there, which now is available, and available for pretty cheap, you are also competing with some of the greatest board games and role-playing games of human history. <laughs> like, you are, this, so the idea that like, oh, if I'm just a certain level of quality, then, you know, build a better mousetrap and they shall come. Yeah, that, uh, that's, unfortunately, there's some really good mousetraps out there. I, uh, read an, I read an article in Wired Magazine yesterday, um, about Paw Patrol. Does anyone here have little kids? <gasps> I do not have little kids, but I am I'm very, aware. very versed and aware of Paw Patrol. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, last year, Paw Patrol made $7 billion worldwide. Uh, it is uh, available in 36 languages, right? And they were talking about the fact that Paw Patrol might be the last time that there is a worldwide entertainment platform phenomenon uh, akin to Disney and all these other things, these empires, because we are at the cusp of individualization and all of those things, right? Like you were talking like Netflix, right? Like so the thing is, is we don't have we don't have the oh my god it's September all the new shows start right that doesn't happen anymore right because Netflix is like hey a new season of your new show at any time right and the next thing is it's just going to be everything on demand all the time and games are going that way right. Um, so the the idea of uh, a all encompassing, you know, game that everyone's playing is 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 is, is sliding away. Monoculture. Yeah, yeah. So. So what we're trying to impart to you is that marketing professionals here, uh, and if you hire a marketing professional or if you want to do all the marketing for your company, you need to do some deep dive market research. It's boring. It's awful. It's numbers and spreadsheets, unless you're like me and you love numbers and spreadsheets, and then it's yay, it's a lot of fun. Um, uh, but right now, there is more competition than there ever has been for games. And if you are making a game with solely the design in mind to make your beautiful heart art, <laughs> that's wonderful, I love you, don't expect to make money on it. If you want to break even, if you want to break even and make zero dollars, 
then you have to do work right now. You do serious work on figuring out exactly who your target audience is, capturing at least 2,000 people who want it, um, and making sure that it's different than whatever has come out this year and what's coming out next year. Because people, if you look, you're gonna see in all these podcasts coming out November 2019, it's already out there. If you haven't announced when your game has come out and you're not having um, started marketing it yet, it's coming out in 2020. Yeah. Any of you, if you haven't started marketing and you're like, I'm gonna publish my game, we're gonna start our Kickstarter in April of this year. <laughs> don't do that. Don't, please don't. A big, a big thing with that that's really that's that's really important, right? Is the most important tool that you have from a marketing perspective as independent game designers is playtesting your game at events, right? Because it's the one time that you have a person actually playing your game, right? You don't need to. You don't need to sell them on the game. Mm -hmm. They've played it. They know if they like it or not, right? So even if it's not done, um, you can get their name, right? You can get their email address, and that's building that uh, that marketing list that M Melissa's talking about. And then your next game, you already start with that list. So even if you have a list and it's two hundred people today, right? It's going to grow, and you know when you do something, and each time you do a, a Kickstarter, each time you do a project, you're going. Um, you ramp up. Yep. You, you, yeah, you're, you're building that background. Um, uh, if, if, you, if you get a chance, Mike Ganade, uh, he's a good guy, he's here. Uh, Mike just finished a campaign for uh, a game called Set a Watch. And Mike's done four Kickstarters, and each time he has been able to build that list. And he's done a really, really good job. He's a very good marketer, and he's done a lot of really... Uh, he has a lot of, a lot of things to say about, you know spend ratios on platforms and some other things so um but we've talked with him a lot about it and he started with just hey i'm going to take my game i'm going to play it and then uh you know that call to action is always mm -hmm. would you like to join the mailing list <laughs> yep. you know marketing is kind of like being a shark you have to always keep doing it like sharks have to keep swimming you have to keep always doing it i am oh i was gonna field it to that's exactly what I was going to suggest. Yeah. I was like, we have 12 minutes left. We yes, should we probably have, take some and, we, and I always like to stop five minutes early because people have to like go to the bathroom and stuff and other, other play tests. So um, does anyone have any questions? Yeah, I have a question. You mentioned that you were using like the backer kit for the basic marketing, mm -hmm. which is more cost effective and time effective. Like pay for a backer kit to do all of that stuff for you or you hire your own people or just do it yourself. Um, so, uh, the nice thing about the way BackerKit does it is um, they they actually just, uh, there's a setup fee, right? So you have to look at the setup fee and whatever it would be based on the size of your project, um, uh, which is, a you know, a few hundred dollars, right? But then everything else is based on sales that they made. And because it's all digital control, right? If they bring you a backer, they know they did, right? And you can see it, right? So you get a custom code in the Kickstarter. Um, and so the, everything's coming through that custom code. So the referrer code says it was from that piece of backer kit yeah. marketing, and um, you know they get they get a percentage of it. Right? Okay. Uh, so only for, those, only for that. Correct. For those numbers or for the general. For the ones that they the ones that they bring. How much is usually the percentage? It's like thirty percent. Yeah. Oh okay. Which, which is funny. Which every time you say that, people are like, "Oh my god!" But it's that's thirty percent of a sale you didn't have otherwise. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's actually yeah. plus seventy percent. The so woman in the gray shirt. Yeah. Abigail. Yeah. Why are you selling a game for four dollars? Please come to our, our talk tonight about your the price is wrong. It's yeah. what? Uh, oh, that's a totally different thing. Um, okay, yeah. Um, a four dollar a four dollar board game makes no sense. A four dollar PDF, all the sense in the world. Yeah, um, I, 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 I think it's the guy who sells the PDF. So, yeah. um, so uh, a lot of these things are uh, comparative, like many things in economics. So when you ask. Is Facebook worth it? The question is, compared to what? Um, compared to doing nothing? Yes. <laughs> um, compared to... I love you. <laughs> um, compared to, um, for instance, I'm going to spend that same time slot in my day 
going on different forums and participating in conversations with my website, you know, at the bottom of my signature. Maybe not so much, you know, that way, you know, maybe not compared to, for instance, spending that same amount of time learning WordPress and setting up your own website so you have your own landing page for people to come and visit. Um, also, depending on the specific nature of your game, maybe not compared to certain other things. So I don't know you, apparently some other people on this panel do. But I'm going <laughs> to throw out an example of one case where uh, you, you can probably figure out some of who these people are, just a lot of Googling. But there are, for instance, uh, forums for fans of Traveler, the role-playing game. And then there are versions of the game that are basically Traveler with the serial numbers filed off. Mm -hmm. And certain forums are totally fine with you talking about and promoting your Traveler with the serial numbers filed off on their forums. Maybe they have a subsection specifically for that sort of thing. And if you're, for instance, selling that specific kind of game by going to that forum, you are going to find a much more receptive audience and a much more like they are here for this sort of thing than just Facebook, <laughs> you know, and the billion people on it. Like, so when you say, is Facebook worth it? You, it always comes with the caveat of compared to how other ways I could be using my time to market this. And also how you're setting it up on Facebook. So if you're setting up a Facebook page for a $4 game, eh -eh, wouldn't do that. But if you're setting up a Facebook page for your company that's selling the $4 game and you're using that to promote the $4 game or you as a game designer and a brand and then using it to promote that, that's a whole different ball of wax because then you can use that for future projects. And if, if you're doing your Facebook ad targeting where you're like, I am going to target only people who like drive through RPG on Facebook, which people do that, yep. and only... <laughs> Um, Thank you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and like one of the most the best Facebook advertising tools is targeting uh, for board games specifically is targeting people who like Kickstarter and like BGG. Yep. If you narrow your subset to that audience, the ROI shoots way up. Um, much higher than t targeting specifically gender, age, demographic, liking themes. Well, I want to target people who like aliens. No, you want to target people who like Kickstarter. Right. Right? <laughs> right? Or like Kickstarter and aliens. You yeah. could do that. Yeah. You could do that. <laughs> All right. More questions. Phil. I just want to tack on something that uh, Chris said earlier on about being special, uh, a special guest. Mm -hmm. So I'm a, I'm a podcaster as well. I've interviewed tons of game designers for Kickstarters. Besides the elevator pitch, your creation story. Yes. The second question that we ask is, how did you come up with this game? And the better that story is, because sometimes people fall short on it and we wind up having to kind of pull information. So mm -hmm. having a creation story, which is the longer version of your elevator pitch, right. is really good. Like that works really well on the podcast. Hey, I'm doing a panel on podcast promotion tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> podcast too. Yeah. Jump, jump in. Yeah, Marketing. Please. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, any other questions? Sure. Yeah. Right at the beginning, you talked about the success rate for games mm -hmm. and low 30s. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> why, <clears throat> in, the shortest, in the shortest you can, why do you think they, so many fail? Um, they don't plan. Yeah. They don't pre-plan. Tabletop games is actually probably closer to 50% success rate yeah, um, because better. video games are probably actually in the low 20s or the high teens. Um, uh, if you look at most tabletop games, they have re relatively reasonable or even the thing we'll talk about tonight, too low of goals, right? So uh, in that success rate, we're talking about people that have been like, oh, this game, uh, our, 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 it's $1,000 is our goal, and we funded it in 48 seconds. And it's like, that doesn't matter because the game's going to cost you $5,000 to make. So uh, good job on taking on a $4,000 debt. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, there's so many reasons that a Kickstarter could fail, and it, um, it's not always about the game, right? It's almost always about marketing um, because some Kickstarters should fail, right? We never want to get really above 50% because one of the nice things about Kickstarter is Kickstarter is a no harm way to test the market 
right? In the past, if I had a crazy idea for a game, I had to upfront all the money and then hope that people would buy it. Now I can test and say, oh, you know what? People don't want my 4,000-page traveler with the serial numbers filed off. It's probably 200, right. but whatever. <laughs> but you can do that before no harm to foul. So like, yeah. there's, some, there's some failure that you really want. Um, uh, another big thing to consider is that um, if you look, look at three major Kickstarters that funded from 2018, and then look at three major Kickstarters that funded in 2016, and keep going back, and you will start to see why our success rate is going to go down. Because it used to be that most Kickstarters were kind of ramshackle. And now you have professional marketers making Kickstarter pages. I've, I've done it, right? Yeah. Like people hire out professional marketers. And so now Kickstarter is no longer just a crowdfunding help a designer page but it is a sales platform and you should treat it as such and you should compete in the marketplace treating it as a sales platform uh when people don't do that that's when i start to see failure so, so I, I also want to add there's uh have been some rather infamous uh failures to fulfill <laughs> uh among kickstarter for for every kind of game and Kickstarter has its own audience. There is a Kickstarter fan base, and when you don't, oh, I'm that guy. And yeah. when you don't fulfill, they become <laughs> more shy about backing the next thing. They demand more. Show me more. Show me that you've already written this rule book and you're just waiting on some art. Show me some of the art you've already commissioned. Show me a prototype of your board game, or show me a video of you playing it, so that I know you're not just like, oh, I got an idea. Um, so the, the, the people who are paying for these have become more discerning. Uh, this is why, for instance, Kickstarter now has a section of challenges, like things we expect to go wrong is at the bottom of every Kickstarter page, um, okay. uh, including uh, Kickstarter doesn't care about us anymore uh, because <laughs> games helped build Kickstarter in its early days, but now the thing that actually funds the most on Kickstarter is uh, tech products. Mm, so yeah. uh, that's what makes them the most money, so they don't care about games anymore, so don't, we don't get on the front page much. Yeah. Eh, life. Yeah. Um, All right, I think that is the end of our panel. Uh, if you want to reach us, if you want, if you have marketing questions, if you want to hire some of us as marketing consultants, <laughs> if you want I'm to... I'm not for hire. Uh, I am. They're for hire. Yeah, <laughs> Beth is. If uh, you want to ask me how, how to sell more on drive-thru... I want one of your cards, yep. because I want to talk to you about something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I need one of those. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, uh, you can find us. We're going to be moving on to our next things. But uh, all right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for coming. Thank you all Thank for coming. That's a good idea. You just uh, some drive, drive your car. Yeah. 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 Mine yep. and my wallet. <laughs> yes, you can. Good question. Yeah. I'm from the ideas project. Is this possible to scale like a one-on-one -on -one tour in the top of like uh, half an hour? Yes, I for some really no, specific oh, questions. So, so, okay, no, Beth and I are sorry. doing a panel tomorrow night at eight o'clock. For example, for today for SEO, we're actually using inbound marketing for our game because yeah, I'm I also do startups in biotech, so I know. So you understand? Yeah. Yeah, I know it's not as easy. Yes, it's yeah. yeah. But I have some very specific questions about how to do that kind of thing for tabletop. Sure. Because it's like a very different yeah. market and you approach. You port it into everything. different industries, it changes. So I am so booked for this show, but. It could also be on like online next week, but yeah, like no problem. Okay, perfect. Yeah. That's me. So, so, like, the general idea, we're from Mexico, yeah. like your stories. Yeah. But we're doing is like trying to pull more indie Mexican games because people like to write them, but they have like no fucking idea about the rest of the process of making a game. Yeah. And I work in like in a candy company in Mexico, we do that. So, it's like, you know, I can help you with the final part. Oh, and let me, I gotta get down and let yeah, yeah, the other person. Let me get our elegance down. The problem is it's decaf. Oh, no. I like decaf. I like decaf, but I really should have caffeine right now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>